0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And we have with us a very special guest. Guest not guest, but a guest, Mr. James <laughs> Owen. How are you today, sir?
1: I am awesome. How are you guys?
0: Doing good.
2: Yeah, yeah. James, right. is a-
0: James is an old friend of mine.
2: Uh, we have known each other, what, probably 10, 12 years? Yeah, at least. Somewhere somewhere in there. Um, James is an author. He's a best-selling author. Um, the Here They Be Dragons section. I guess I shouldn't tell all this. James, tell us about yourself. <laughs>
1: No, that's that's the accurate one. Um, Here There Be Dragons is the best known of my books. Um, I came from comic books, uh, so I was used to writing and illustrating own stories. And the last 15 years or so, I've been doing mostly illustrated fantasy novels. And Here There Be Dragons was the first book in the series, The Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica. And it's in print in 22 languages and still selling in hardcover 15 years on. And so if there's going to be an introduction starting out with that's not a bad way to do it.
3: <laughs> well, and I have to say, like, out of all of our guests, and I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but you have probably the best head of hair that we've ever had on a guest on this show. Those it's of you that to- are that are listening through streaming, this is exactly why you need to watch the show on our YouTube channel because you're missing out on the best head of hair I've seen in a while on this show. I'm I'm sorry, Jake and Tracy. (laughs) No offense taken. I mean, it's beautiful. I can't keep my eyes off, but I'm mesmerized.
1: You know, there was, there's an event. Um, I'm on the advisory board for the charity kids need to read. And we hold a geek prom at Phoenix fan fusion every year. And the first year we did it, we had a big costume contest that was being judged by me, Will Wheaton and Felicia Day. And somebody recorded some video and it was on YouTube. And I thought, "Oh, that's great. I would love to love to see, you know, what they caught." What they caught was Felicia saying, "Okay, before we get started, I have to make a comment that this guy <laughs> has the best hair in the room." All right. All right. That's that's my legacy now is Felicia Day commenting and complimenting my hair. There you go. So I'll take it. You're in good company.
2: He, he's, a, he's a time lord. If you go and you look at pictures 20 years ago, he looks exactly the same. It's, it's not fair.
1: Oh, there's, there's a documentary um, called The Cartoonist about Jeff Smith, uh, the creator of Bone. And uh, I was watching that a few years ago with my, my son, Nathaniel. And they showed some photos of the group of us. We did a bunch of tours together, trade shows and conventions, and we did jam prints, um, several of these independent publisher cartoonists. And my son looks at that and he says, dad, how how long ago was this? And I said, that was 25 years ago. And he said, wow, you don't look any different at all. And I said, you're now the new
0: number
2: one child. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere as far as kids go.
2: Really, really quick, James, would you share with them the Nathaniel story about Mark Hamill? Because this might be my favorite. Wow. Thing okay. There.
1: San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I've been going as a professional since before I had a driver's license. And a number of years ago, the booth that I had was in the independent publisher section uh, near DC's big, massive booth. And mine backed up to Batten Lashes booth. And uh, Batten and his wife, Jackie Estrada were, she runs the Eisner Awards. So she's friends with everybody. And Bill Moomy and Mark Hamill stopped by to say hello. And Batten saw my kids there. And Nathaniel was maybe seven, I guess. And a big Star Wars fan. And they said, Would your kids like to meet Mark Hamill? And I said, Absolutely. And so we brought the kids around the corner to Batten's booth and they introduced Mark to Nathaniel. And Nathaniel says, I'm I'm a big Star Wars fan, big fan of Luke Skywalker. And Mark was there promoting the Batman animated series. <clears throat> and he said, Well, you know, I'm also the voice of the Joker, and I'm doing these other things too. Nathaniel says, yeah, but I think I prefer your older work. <laughs> all the adults, all the blood just drained out of everyone's faces. And Mark looked at him and just cracked up and gave me gave him a hug. And he's like, you're all right, kids.
3: <laughs> kids, you'll always get the truth, whether you like
1: Uh-oh. it or not.
0: <laughs> You always have to be prepared when you ask a kid a question because you know uh, what <laughs> <doing> they <this thing>. say. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: But um, the movie we're talking about today is A Knight's Tale. And James, <clears throat> I had not seen this when I first met you. Um, You talked me into it. You were like, you need to watch this movie. And so this was years and years ago. So now when we brought up talking about this, I'm like, we have to talk with James because if <laughs> we don't, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs>
0: That is how the conversation went. We, we mentioned doing a night <laughs> sale and Tracy immediately said, we need to have my friend James on to talk about it. So, which, which he's also dropped your name every time we bring up a Muppet movie as well.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's actually got uh, some stuff in the works where he's going to try and put together a short film. Um, the actor's name, James, uh, the guy that played oh. punk.
1: Oh, Kirk Thatcher.
2: Kirk He's Thatcher, director, yeah, director
1: um, as written. He was the co-director and co-writer on Muppets Treasure Island. And um, he did the,
2: um, the haunted new haunted but
1: mansion, Star Wars, and oh yeah, the new haunted mansion Muppet movie. That was that was Kirk as well, and and we're going to try and rope him into a couple of these film projects that I'm doing here. And and I have a, a long friendship with uh, Lisa and Brian Henson as well. They've been very supportive of my books, but also their dad was one of my heroes. And the way that they ran things in that business, the way he treated um, collaborators, I always just felt that was that was pretty ideal. And his kids have tried to maintain those same standards of integrity, so. And then Kirk, Kirk's just a whack job. Um, <laughs> he's brother from another mother. Um, so yeah, I've got a couple of, couple of film projects we're gonna pull him into.
0: We are talking about a night's tale. Um, this came out, gosh, now almost twenty years ago. I think two thousand three is when this one came out, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Uh, and by remember right, I mean I was looking at it on the IMDb. On the- not that I <laughs> actually recall.
3: Exactly I thought the it internet just was our memory at this point. When you That's say I, I remember, <laughs> I know that we're just referring to the interwebs and the fact that we just look there all the time for everything. Yeah. I have exactly two phone numbers memorized. I have three phone numbers memorized. One of them is mine and that is it (laughs) because everything else is stored somewhere. I can get to it. It's a sad state of affairs.
2: It's so true. When we were kids, we had like 20 phone numbers,
0: but
3: yeah. Like you could say, I'm going to call my friend James and you'd be like, you don't have to look at anything. Now we're all
0: stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And, to top it off, I just opened up IMDb again, and it was 2001, so I didn't even remember right <laughs> from the time that I looked at it it's in a preparation to talk about it today. <laughs>
3: so, it's legal. We can drink with it.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Because <laughs> this is one of those movies.
0: This is probably one that people would go out and drink with, I would imagine. this is, all for it.
1: This is why we keep mead in the kitchen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be down for it good good mug of of mead and then a good flogging afterward i'm sure <laughs> so. on some queen and you're ready to go <laughs> maybe a little david bowie maybe a little
3: every time you see paul bettany's naked butt
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> speaking of paul bettany's naked butt um that's yes. a transition you never thought you'd say well no at this point in the show yes i think that's a transition that You had to
3: know Uh, it was coming. We're talking about the show.
0: So Paul Bettany in this film, this was, I think one of his first big roles and one of the ones, I mean, it's the first time I remember seeing him in anything. And to this day, anytime I see him on screen, I'm like, Oh, that's the guy from a night's tale. Like this is a role for me. That was like, so defining for him as an actor that I, I see him as Jeffrey Chaucer every time, not just his butt, but the whole character. in
3: general.
0: Sure sure that's my story and i'm sticking to it all right
2: <laughs> well i read a, i read an article that said the director the studio wanted drew carey to play chaucer and i'm like what i don't think that would work he had to fight them because they really wanted uh they really wanted drew carey but then he said when he gave the script to paul bettany <laughs> Paul bettany was like you bleep you're making me be naked and he's like yeah do you want it or not <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yes, yes, I want this role, but dang no. it. Why did you do this to me? I
3: you know, just love I the, whole this market. movie. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. No,
2: you
1: I go. An entire marketing class called Everything I Learned About Promotion. I learned from Paul Bettany's Jeff Chaucer in A Night's Tale. Um, as that other page, you know, learned throughout the course of the movie. Um but you know, just your comment about Drew Carey, what I went to immediately was that sequence where he was in trouble for gambling and and looked up at William and just the pathos, that expression, that weight mm-hmm. from this guy who had been largely comic relief for the whole thing, even naked on the road with a thorn in his foot, it was still funny. But then there was that one moment where he said, please, well please will you? And just
0: yeah, I
1: I could not yeah. envision anyone else making that
0: transition. No, and certainly not Drew Carey. Mm-hmm. I just mm. I mean no,
3: I mean Drew, kind of surprised okay. us, but yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I just think it's great that um, Paul Bettany did this in A Beautiful Mind in the same year. Like oh, these are you know right. two totally different movies, but very challenging for him for both. And I mean, he held his own up against some really like really great actors and really good stories. I mean, he really, he lucked out in 20, in uh, 2001.
0: Yeah. A Beautiful Mind uh, is an interesting one for me now, because uh, a little while ago I had to go in and get a root canal and my dentist has movies that he, he has like TVs up on the ceiling. So while you're getting worked on, you can watch movies. And I, and Beautiful Mind was the one that I chose while I was getting my root canal. So now I, I love that movie, but it's also kind of painful. Because it,
3: like, <laughs> it, was, so it wasn't painful enough before you added your root canal. Like no, it's a yeah. painful movie to watch.
0: <laughs> well, maybe that was my thought. Like it could be worse. I could be that guy, you know?
2: <laughs> hey, whatever gets you through the root canal, man. I'm not oh, judging. Man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think Paul Bettany is great in this. I, I think all of the actors are. And really at the time, I mean, none of them had done anything. Heath Ledger wasn't like Heath Ledger right. yet by the when this came out. And Alec, Alan Tudyk as well, was he'd done some things, but he wasn't the legendary voice actor Alan Tudyk yet. Um, So there wasn't really any big name. And so that may be why the studio was going after somebody like a Drew Carey mm-hmm. saying, hey, we want a name attached to this. Yeah. So people will come see it.
3: For me, it was Rufus and Mark that were the people that you knew. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Rufus had been in a lot of romantic comedies and is a huge British actor. Mark, the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And I liked both of them. But again, I didn't, there were those actors at the time where I was like, I really like those guys. I don't know their names, but I really like those guys Um, because they had all been these side characters in these movies, you know, Mm -hmm. for like five years in my life. Um, And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, I mean, I was a, you know, I was a fairly young lady at the time. And so Heath Ledger was in a few smaller things that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm open to this. 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. I mean, that was on repeat um, (laughs) at my house. Um, And I think that, that, and uh, (laughs) that, and in this movie were very similar in that music played a big part in both of those movies um, and Heath, you know, played along with that. But I think this was one of those movies at the time that really brought the soundtrack back um, to a film because, you know, we had Wild Wild West We had, you know, all of these other movies with these that a soundtrack was you had the movie, you had the soundtrack, you had the music video. And it was like that for a few years. And then we kind of lost that a little bit. And then you have this movie come out and here it is again. But they really did. They broke this wall. I don't know. Is it the seventh wall where you bring in (laughs) you bring in newer music to a, a piece that it doesn't belong to? I don't know what you would call that wall. Um, Tracy, you probably know the technical term to that. But um, I think it was something that we hadn't seen before where we have a period piece, but then you have music that we can all relate to. And with the choreography, very similar in that. And so it really, I think it brought the period piece to an audience that wouldn't normally watch a period piece. Oh, absolutely
1: agree. And I think that was um, part of the genius of that is, The director deciding to do that um, meant that he was sidestepping any criticism about accuracy in a period piece. That's a good point. He was was signaling right from the start, this is not going to be the kind of movie you're expecting. But the fact that he, from minute one, wove that music into, you know, the queen, the clap, clap, stomp, clap, clap, stomp wove it into the visuals it wasn't just soundtrack it was soundtrack integrated into the film that knocked it out of the park for me
3: yeah and baz um lorman i think mm-hmm. you know kind of did the sim a similar thing in what 19 When was this movie made you know romeo and juliet with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. but that was like 1996 um so that was a big big space of time but again that was very successful um yeah, I it just it blew me away, you know, as soon as, you know, you get the queen in that scene. I think everybody in the audience if you had the chance to see it in the theater, you just got
2: goosebumps. Well, and it's interesting too cuz I remember they got a lot of criticism for that decision. There were a lot of critics who were very upset about that. And the I love the director's response was, well, if I have an orchestral score, that Still doesn't make sense either because they didn't yeah. have those instruments back then. So it's gonna have a
3: guy with a lute strumming along,
2: <laughs> <you>
0: a little <laughs> flute
3: behind him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I do remember though watching it the first time, and when you do get that Queen song, thinking, Okay, what kind of movie is this exactly? Because with the whole crowd stomping and clapping along with it, you're just like, Okay, How like I get
1: song. right? This
0: is different. <laughs> And then it was like, but I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And it is, it, it. I think it's one of the reasons why I think of a night's tale as being a really unique movie, because it does it so differently and so well. And it's just its own thing. It's hard to classify it. Is it a comedy? Is it a period piece? Is it a? It's just. It's a night's tale. It is what it is. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, it's a boy finding his place in the world. That's
0: yeah. And in 2001, that was probably about where I was trying to find my place mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. so yep absolutely
3: yes that story that I think you know has been told over and over again is that you are supposed to be this one thing and are you okay with that or are you gonna go you know push push the borders and I mean it's again it's a story we've been told a million times but the way he told it I feel like I'd never seen it before so it was, and yet I'm a film critic and I think film critics are stupid <laughs> Like, this is the thing is yeah there are some rules that you should follow for certain things but like the whole idea of cinema is like to discover something new yeah. you know what i mean so this was one of those things and i was not a film critic at the time um i was i was far enough out of film school that i appreciated movies again um <laughs> yep, yep, I, exactly. I wasn't i wasn't a jerk watching movies like that doesn't make sense <laughs> um, you didn't follow this rule um, right, right but I was just blown away I just remember like leaning and that's like that's when I get the A is you lean forward in your seat mm. because you're just like it pulls you the movie pulls you in and I think this was one of those and I think that it ages really well like I could go upstairs and watch it right now again and I'm not thinking this was made you know in the early 2000s like it, it's I think it holds up for me, so.
1: I probably watch it seven or eight times a year. Wow. Yeah, just, just put it on, and I know every scene, and I know every line, but I want that whole combined experience. And if it's playing in the background, there are certain scenes that just hit like a ton of bricks, and all right, I'm going to put down my pencil and stop working because I've got to take this in for a few minutes because it's it's probably in my top five. So what,
2: uh, what, what, what are a couple of those scenes? Um, Matt. Is that like asking your favorite child? But that's That's Nathaniel. That's
1: pretty much. Um, You know, the one, the one scene. And I've written about this. Um, It's part of why this triggered Tracy to suggest that I come on. Um, The whole, the whole premise. That he decided he was a knight, and they figured out how to. I I can go out and perform. We've got to figure out ways to fake, you know, the legitimacy, so I can continue to do the things a knight's already doing. All of those aspects of it, I loved all of those, and and going up against you know Rufus's bad guy, um, who was a legitimate bad guy in this, you know, Um, the whole bit. Where he's found out before that last big tournament, and he's gonna be arrested. And all of his friends say, you know, you you can't you can't win this. And he said, So do you think I should run? And they said, God love you, William. Yes, you should run. And there's a moment where it pauses. And then he snaps and he's like, No, I am a knight. I will not run. And the, the correlation that I gave to that was I did a Kickstarter a few years ago for a trilogy of books, my meditations trilogy. It's the nonfiction um, inspirational books. $25,000 to be able to publish these three books. It was a 30-day campaign. At day 25, we were just over $12,000. Had not even had a full $1,000 day. And I had that moment where a bunch of the people that love me the most, my best supporters, said, "It's not going to work. It's not. Go- you should just. It's not going to work. We can shut this down. We'll just do paperbacks. We know you can get this far. You should quit the campaign, and we'll start a new one with a lower goal." And I thought about that, and then I thought about that scene in *A Night's Tale*, and I said, "You know what? If it doesn't work, so be it." but I'm not gonna quit. I am not gonna stop. And then this guy named Stephen Wendell, who had been a um, student at Superstars, posted something on, online and he said, James teaches us that we can, and he at one point used the phrase, change our stars, that we can decide we want to make something work. And he said, he is five days away from this, either working or not. And he has declared that he is not gonna quit. He's gonna see this through. And we have to find a way to help him. And I'm in for another hundred bucks. Who's with me? And we closed that campaign just over twenty six thousand dollars, and the book published. And I absolutely attribute those choices
2: to this movie and that scene. And that that published book is what led me to you. Okay. Yeah. You know, out the dragons is how we The talk that I did
1: that then got Lisa's attention and then mm-hmm. her attention. And yeah, um, that's the basis of my friendship with Tracy.
0: And it's all because of a knight's tale. <laughs> and,
1: and the thing is, is, is where that led, you know, that's wow. the thing is that scene led to the victory of him at his lowest moment. You know, he's in the stocks. People are throwing cabbages at his head. And then the prince reveals himself and walks up and he remembers that gesture of grace that William gave him in a tournament. Mm -hmm. And then he makes that comment. He says, you tilt when you should withdraw and that is nightly also. That's perfect. That is perfect.
0: Yeah. It's amazing that a movie like this that, That really on the surface when you look at it is um, silly and goofy at parts can lead to a moment like that where it can be so touching and so powerful Uh, and I think that that's incredible that a movie can do that and make you feel all of those different things at the same time
3: I mean those are the movies that make us Jake
0: (laughs) it's a good name for a show (laughs) somebody
2: (laughs) Somebody write that down (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta say, rewatching this last night, I was just struck by how sad I am that we did not get more from Heath Ledger because that guy just radiates on the screen and he just commands every moment. And like Val said, he wasn't the Heath Ledger that became, he was just kind of a teen heartthrob, but there was so much more to that man and his performance in this just it made me sad for the movies that we don't get to see that he could have done. yeah, I
1: agree.
3: yeah, I definitely I, and I think probably some people put him in that heartthrob um category, but I think what attracted me to to watching him is that he had so many different layers and dimensions to him. Even you know, the reason why ten things I hate about you is so great is because he gives it more than just what you would expect for, you know, a a teeny, a teen heartthrob movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one, that script I think is, is brilliant. And I think overlooked a lot. Um, but you know, his character is, is very three-dimensional. Um, and it's something that we didn't see at the time because he does he didn't necessarily look like, what we thought, you know, the leading man would look like at the time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't talk like the leading man and he didn't, you know, walk like the leading man. You know, I, 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 I it was definitely something different and we all bought it because he was really good at what he did.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, from a young age, he just, you wanted to watch more.
0: Yeah. And when you look at his career, I mean, he did 10 things I hate about you. That was before a Knight's tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really after that, it was like two hands and then the Patriot where he was one, oh, of, yeah. one of the sons, one of Mel Gibson's sons, I think his oldest son. And he was really good in that. And when you watch that, he stands out quite a bit. Um, but then it was really, then it was a Knight's tale after that. So it's, you know, this, I feel like this was really his chance to show that he could be that leading um, actor and, not just in a heartthrobby kind of way because he's, I mean, he's still got great hair in this. I mean, not James Owen's great, but still really great hair in this. Wow, I'm using that quote everywhere for the rest of my
1: life. <laughs> <laughs> great hair, not James Owen great, but,
2: well, but pretty I good.
3: Also, I also think that he he definitely took, you know, some some risky choices. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, now we look at a Knight's Tale and we think, well, oh yeah, like why wouldn't he take that role? It seems like this is a winner of a movie, but just think about like reading the screenplay. right? Right. And, and seeing these characters and then looking at the cast that's put with you. Again, we've, we've said it before at the beginning of the show, we didn't know that these people were going to be great. We didn't know that this story was even going to work. Right. I mean, you have a horse, in a cathedral, which sounds like a lot of fun, um, <laughs> to me. Uh, but again, like he, it was a risky choice after doing something like 10 things I hate about you, you know, because, you know, especially at that time when uh, the, you know, there was a ton of different movies that were in the similar genre being made. And that was just the time for that movie, but then choosing something like Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, there's, uh, what was the Feather movie that he was in? Uh, Four Feathers. Feather movie? Four Feathers uh, that wasn't critically acclaimed at all. And I watched that movie probably at least once a year. Um, because for me, I learned a ton about him from that movie. If you've seen, and maybe we should talk about, maybe we just need to have a Heath Ledger month. Um <laughs> But there was similar moments in Four Feathers that there were in A Night's Tale for me, where you see him go from this very determined person to this very humble person, you know, from scene to scene and just struggling and struggling um, on camera. Uh, it's just so believable to me. The movie itself is fine. Um, but for me, his it's his relationships with people in that movie Um, That makes it work for me. Um, Plus, I just thought it was beautifully shot. Um, But yeah, he made some, you know, some some big choices that didn't always work out critically. But I thought for him to gain to where he would get to
2: being Joker,
3: which was probably his biggest gamble, um, but is also his biggest payoff.
2: I, I might even say the bigger gamble is the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus coming off of Joker, off of Dark Knight. Because he's working with Terry Gilliam, who's um, got a cult following. It's an odd story. And the thing that makes me so frustrated is there's been this urban legend that's been created that he, the Joker caused Heath Ledger's death. And that's absolutely not true. And this whole thought about how he became so despondent and so depressed and so angry. It's like the guy was like doing skateboard tricks on set as the Joker to entertain the crew and himself, you know? Yeah.
3: He it's, got, he got sick. Like there's, he got sick and it's, a it's more romantic, Tracy. It's more romantic yeah. for us to, to think that it was a role that made him yeah. that way.
2: But I love, I, I love what you said, Val. I mean, this guy swung for the fences every single time. He was not going to take a role that was going to be conventional. He was not going to take on something that everybody thought he should do. It was like, okay, if everybody wants me to do this, I'm going to go over here. And like I said, even up to his death, working on the imaginary of Dr. Parnassus and thank heavens for all these actors that came in and took over that role in order to finish that film. Um, It's not my favorite Gilliam film, but it's pretty remarkable as to how they pulled that one together.
3: One of my favorite scenes from a Knight's Tale um, is when he needs a suit. For the um and i i just i love his friend i just i love that actor he's so fantastic and he's just looking around and he's like what color will you know will he be wearing tonight and he's looking around and he's like green with some <laughs> brown toggles <laughs> very that's a little specific but okay okay <laughs> And somebody just doesn't know where to sleep tonight. Where'd my tent go? I thought he's I had a room, room, but it's gone. That guy's wearing it. Well, you know,
1: that's, I love that is it's, it's not a crisis. It's a immediate problem solving sort of uh-huh. thing. Every we, Well, from the opening scenes of, okay, the night's dead. We're <laughs> not going to eat. If he doesn't win, he's laying there. You know, his spirit has left his body. <laughs> um, and so every every scene is okay we've got a problem look around figure out some way we're going to solve it you know with lateral thinking and then mm-hmm. just keep moving forward um i think you know they lucked out getting that ensemble cast
3: yeah the, yeah, the, the
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. every single one of them is so good and you know what i was thinking a few moments ago I was I was doing what we all do last night and adding stuff to my watch list that I'm never going to get through that entire watch list. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the act of choosing while I'm going through available movies on Plex or whatever, I was mm. watching trailers and I suddenly realized there was there was kind of a theme to the ones I was adding to the watch list and I was skipping these movies that technically looked amazing. And, you know, tour de force, if words tour de force appeared in it, i would watch the trailer, and I'm skipping all the ones that are emotionally draining. I'm -hmm. skipping ones that are, you know, here's a great trauma. And I'm adding the ones that are people helping each other, and figuring out how to resolve conflicts, and ending in a good place. And you think about, the Knight's Tale, it ends in a remarkable place. It really does. And they go through all of these trials together. And, and that scene we were talking about with, with Chaucer being caught gambling. It's the guy that, yeah, they, they had their bonds, but he didn't owe him anything. William did not okay. owe anything, but he took care of him. He he's, he's one of my men. I'm going to take care of him. And you'll get your money. And it was him giving his word to protect this person. And then you jump forward to the scene where Sir William is in the stocks. His his men are surrounding him. Yeah. They did not abandon him. They stood around him trying to protect him. They all stood together. And they won. That's, that's why I watch that every several weeks. That's why I think we all love it. Is that's the theme that carries through that entire film? We, we've got each other's backs.
0: Yeah, and I and I love that. Here, here he is in those situations where he's helping uh, Chaucer and standing up for him when he owes him nothing, and in other situations throughout the movie where he's acting the knight a hundred percent, like mm-hmm. because that's just who he is. That's who his dad taught him to be and it kind of helps i think i think it's easy to look outward and say well this person's really good because they look the part they act the part they have the money they have the status in life but really that's not what makes you noble and great and he he defines all of that throughout the movie as in his character um even though he's a nobody technically right but he he knows i don't know it's powerful. And we talked about that, the changing our stars and all of that. I think that's my favorite thing in the movie is just, he is who he is regardless of what his circumstance is. And he's who he's who the count should be in the circumstance that he's in, but he's not.
1: But the fact that, you know, so much of what they did to survive had to be pretense to allow him to do the nightly things that were, were his natural gifts and his natural inclinations. But then that came full circle to that whole ending scene. The announcements were made. So, Sir, William Thatcher, your father yeah. heard that.
2: Yeah, that's such a good, that and the scene where he reconnects with his dad. Those, those are ones yeah. that hit hard for me. Yeah. But yeah, your dad heard that. That's a good, good, good line. Yeah. But so I think it's interesting because the the director has a very interesting background. Um, He started off as a screenwriter and he said he felt like he would never direct a film because the directors were the nobles and the screenwriters were the peasants. And the peasant doesn't get to become a knight. He doesn't get to be a noble. And so he wrote like Nightmare on Elm Street 4. He wrote 976 Evil, which I've never seen, but I distinctly remember seeing the case on the VHS section of the work uh, at the video store back in the day. But he went on to write L.A. Confidential, and then that allowed him into this position. And so it's really interesting that he kind of takes the same approach as this character um, this this noble man who wants to achieve something and dream big, but society's telling him he can't do it. But he does it anyway.
1: Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about well, how this how this film has just permeated, you know, life choices. And um, a few weeks ago, my fiance Helen and I went to the the last weekend of the Arizona Renaissance Festival. And at one point she was sitting on one of the benches, watching one of the shows and had turned her head and it was just like a perfect visual image. So I'm sitting there with the the cell phone snapping photos and I posted one and I was trying to think of how to caption it. And what I ended up putting there was she is not the target. She is the arrow or William Thatcher.
2: (laughs) And she is too.
1: (laughs) of Romantic. Some of those lines and and just his whole, the way it was written, but then the way that Ledger carried out those lines. Oh, yes. I will see you then, my foxy lady. (laughs) (laughs) On a horse in a cathedral.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and this movie and i it's sad to say this because what 2001 right we yeah. established that was a little ahead of its time but wait yeah. after its time but the fact that they um had a female in this movie you know playing the part of what would usually be a male during that time um mm-hmm. and you know in 2001 that shouldn't be like ahead of its time but we're right. here and uh hopefully we'll catch up Uh, But I thought that was really gutsy too, because that wasn't something that was at the forefront yet of like, you know, making it so that a female could be in a male part um, per se. And especially during that time, they really, they touched on something social there. They didn't shove it down your throat. Right. That anybody could be anything because, you know, of course they have William Thatcher who wants to be a knight. He's going to be a knight. I can be a knight if I want to be a knight, but to have, you know, a female that's, over there trying to to run a business just like all the other males and they're like oh you want something you know for cheap or for go talk to her you know she'll do it and then she's like i'm not gonna do it like so, <laughs> you know like what they tell you i was gonna i'm not gonna do that for you um well, you know and, and then she throws the nike symbol in there which um <laughs> and, and makes that you know the goddess of yeah i just thought that was great i'm like all right i got i see you I see what you're doing, what you're trying to say to everybody. Again, though, it was slight. It wasn't something that was political. It wasn't something that was, you know, trying to make this big, huge noise. It was just, this is natural. This is a thing. You should just accept it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And and I thought it was great. And the fact that, you know, she was creating something that was lighter, that was easy to move in. And Mm -hmm. You know, it took a woman to think about that because, you know, women we've been wearing things that men have been creating for years that are cumbersome and heels and freaking bras and corsets and (laughs) everything that makes us hurt can't move in those things. So I just thought it was so fun that they kind of did that juxtaposition of this character.
2: Well, and I read an interview with the director and he actually got some some pushback on that on that uh, character. And he said, sure, he did. But he said back then, if she if you if you had a blacksmith and he died, his wife legally could take over the business in order to support the family. But she could not do anything fancy. She had to do horseshoe. She had to do very plain uh, pieces. And so he said, no, there's some real thought behind that as to why I brought that in with that character. So
3: it's just sad that there was pushback.
0: Like why?
2: (laughs) In a movie, like it's
3: okay, it's okay for us to have Queen, but we can't have a female blacksmith. Like, (laughs) come
0: on, Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, when you've got everybody out there stomping their feet and clapping to Queen, I think the point for historical accuracy has kind of gone (laughs) out the window. But it is interesting to know that that is rooted in something historical, Mm -hmm. because I do think that we we tend to think in our society that everything that is the norm has always been the norm yeah even though and then you find out that's not always the case that there were these exceptions there were these things that happened historically speaking and that maybe we we're not as progressed as we think we are
3: maybe yeah. it would
1: have as a screenwriter i would have had to fight the urge to throw in a line there about the other blacksmith saying well you can go to her because She's only allowed to be paid seventy percent of what we get.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a discount. You get a thirty percent discount there. I'm going to her.
3: Yeah, it oh, was like it, it at do. the forefront of before you know all the noise came. This movie was kind of you know at the right before that. So as I I give it some claps. Yeah, and some I, snaps I love- for fighting <laughs> for that.
2: <laughs>
0: I love Is that a scene, scene that we do to- now? Do we do the snaps? Is that our thing? That's now? what
3: they do at Slam Poetry.
0: Yeah. Well, I when do that.
3: You and like it because never- they're making a point. But they're making a
2: point. So I'm giving <laughs> did, them the snaps. We did talk about how to how I'm our I Married Max murderer. Harry, yeah. yeah. Harry. We did do <laughs> <just laughs> something that, that. sure. <laughs> but I love that scene because when, when Ledger goes up to her and she's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, Oh okay, I'll go back and tell those guys they were right. And she's like, right about what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he's totally baiting her into this. And he knows exactly what he's doing, but that this has just played out so well.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh go okay. ahead. No, go ahead, James.
1: I was just thinking um, in terms of how well this ensemble came together. I would have loved to have been there at the table read when the director revealed that they were gonna wrap up the whole thing with basically a heart joke, <laughs> which was gonna require the participation of all of the
0: principals. I, I think with this group, they were probably like, awesome, right. let's do it. We are all in. With this group, that
1: might have been an impromptu thing, and the director's like, okay, we're, roll tape. Let's yeah. get that. <laughs> Alan, Alan, did you start this?
2: Say yes, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he is so great in this movie. He's, he's great yeah. in whole, everything he does. But Alan Tiddick, he is just a phenomenal actor.
1: Okay, well, even that, um, even given the whole ensemble, the fact that he had the conflicts he did with Josser, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I actually like that, that they did not get along, were not going to get along. But they were united in their support of Sir William. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I loved, he was just this quiet, you know, side character that, but every time he was on screen, you wanted to, you couldn't stop watching. Um, You know, he, and he, again, I I love it. I love the side characters on how in depth their individual stories are. um, Because I care about all of them. And I feel like I've seen so many movies in the past two years where I don't care about the side characters. Sometimes I don't care about the main characters enough because you don't give me enough to care about. And they had so many characters and we touched on enough of each of their backgrounds enough to know who they are that we can then see and project, you know, what in our minds, what we think they would do enough to care if they would die. And, you know, I really think that this, that yes, this ensemble was great, but the writing was so neat. Like, it's just, it's, there's no mess. I mean, how many characters do we have here? There's at least six characters that we have to care about at any given time. Um, I mean, dc can't do that with the freaking superhero movie with superhero characters that we've known for 20 years we don't care about them and you give us these characters that we've never met in our lives and we want to see more you know the Mm -hmm. movie's over but i want to know more and you know i would cry if they all died so you know it was yeah just i i kind of want to know where you know rufus like what happens to rufus Mm -hmm. i want to know what the princess like where her life was before this all happened you know what i mean like she's an interesting character that i don't i do one thing i that i would say about this film i wanted a little more of her um, story i understand why we don't have it um but it would it would be cool to know more about why she is there who who she is really because we just kind Mm -hmm. of accept that we know who, who she is and why she's there. But I mean, yeah, she
1: had status, but also restrictions.
3: Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really, she's a mystery and that's why she, that's why, you know, Heath's character is just enthralled by her. Cause she's this mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to know her story. I mean, there's so many different side stories that I'd like to know about.
1: Well, and they, they established so many of the characters um, through their dialogue. Mm-hmm. So well, um, I'm thinking about the, the first time that Chaucer, feeling obligated, gets up to announce the night, does that whole spiel, you know, and we walk in the shadow of his turbulence, and no idea what to do. And Mark Penny goes, yeah,
2: <laughs> 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 it's it's like to like,
1: be the clap starter, you know, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: They had no applause sign, so he had to do something. No, this is where you clap now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I really love the scene too
2: where, where at the very end, Heath Ledger's William, he can't hold the lance. And so he's like, lash it to my arm. And the the guy comes over to start the match and Paul Bettany realizes as Chaucer realizes, I can't let this happen. He's not ready. And so he runs and jumps onto the table and and gives the the opening announcement. He's got to announce this night, buying him time to get the lashing done, which I thought was great. Yeah,
0: I'm t- he has so many great like monologue type parts in this movie. They're all just fantastic. Or Every time he announces the, him, even the, when they the, meet yeah, him and he's naked on the road. Yeah,
1: you know that that guy. Um, even though he was a very very minor role when they have that scene where he has learned from watching Jeff make these announcements, yeah, yes. this little, you know, oh, good for you guy,
0: you know, yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good effort. I just wanted, effort. I
3: just wanted like, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> I told you, that's I really, got, but I that's really that expensive. Yes, that's really expensive. To have almost that as happen.
0: expensive as happy birthday.
3: Happy <laughs> birthday is free now. oh is it free now
0: yeah
3: as of last year you can happy birthday it all day long you're you're good to go um but let's get ready to rumble that guy will take you to the bank
2: he'll (laughs) take residuals for generations to come (laughs) when When he's more
3: expensive than queen we know he's done something
2: right (laughs) that's
1: a good point I, i wonder how that was taken by like brian may when they got to the laugh about here's what we'd like to you know license your music for although brian may is like way high on the tower of overall coolness yeah
0: yeah
3: mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure he you, was like yeah you probably yeah.
0: read the script was like this is perfect i love it you want to put this RVs. into like, a night
2: like, movie all right i'm I'm, I'm yeah
0: <laughs> like it seems like it's right up their alley so yeah well knowing how
1: they actually wrote that song and then I'm just kind of picturing Brian May's face watching the opening scenes of this movie where they have all these medieval peasants at a jousting tournament stomping and clapping exactly the way that he pitched it to Freddie Mercury and the other guys. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I remember there were record sales of the album being downloaded by people who probably never you know, heard Queen before in their lives um during that time. I think it went it was like they were on the top twenty list again. Yeah. Um during that time.
2: That and uh, uh, Wayne's World.
3: That yeah.
2: was my introduction to Queen.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. With Mike Myers. <laughs> yep. And headbanging in the car. I still <laughs> when that comes on in the car, I still like to try to headbang.
3: <laughs> Somebody needs to put together like a music compilation video of these two movies for Queen. Yeah. That would be rad. That would be cool. Do it, Jake. You have time on your hands,
0: right? I'll, I'll, yeah, all the time to do that. <laughs> the kids to work. Make them earn I, I, your living. I, I either headbang to the to Bohemian Rhapsody or I like to do uh, Garth's lip syncing that he does. <laughs> at the end he goes, <laughs> Even though I know the words, it doesn't matter. I love to lip sync it that way because it reminds me <laughs> <laughs> so
2: before we jump into grades, I, when I okay. was researching about this movie, there's just one thing that stuck out to me that I is co- we didn't come anywhere close to talking about this in the conversation. So I want to, but I want to shoehorn this in is that the director met with Heath Ledger at LAX. He was flying like from Australia to Europe or something with a stopover in LAX, or I, I can't remember the details. But anyway, he's got like a three hour window. And so the director goes to meet with him. And Heath Ledger shows up with a with what looks to be like a, a poster tube, one of those uh, big tubes that you carry posters in. And they sat down and started talking about the the movie. And he's like, We didn't even really talk about the movie. We just ended up like getting to know each other and talking about personal stuff. And so at the very end, he said, So what are you traveling with? What's in the what's in the poster thing? And he said, Oh, that's my didgeridoo. And the director was like, do you know how to play that? And he's like, yeah, I just pulled this out. And you're at this restaurant. I just have LA. this didgeridoo with me. I just have this with me. And he plays it. And like people are stopping and watching because they're like, what in the world is going on? And then he just put it away and went and got his flight and went on. But I'm like, just for some reason, the idea of Heath Ledger traveling with a didgeridoo just cracks me up.
3: It makes sense. Right next to a skateboard, didgeridoo, <laughs> skateboard, whatever his favorite, what do you think his favorite treat is? Mm. like what do you think he had with him
0: well if we're gonna go with didgeridoo, i mean it's probably a Vegemite sandwich <laughs> <laughs> is that a treat though yeah, damn from
2: what I understand no <laughs> <laughs> it uh it, it probably ranks right up there with coca-cola starlight which I tried this week oh how is that it is that the, like-
3: is that the coca-cola with cat with coffee in it
2: no, it's no. the Coca-Cola that's yeah. supposed to taste like space, and it tastes like a fruity burnt caramel, and the aftertaste is horrific. How is that even
3: a thing? <laughs> We're going to pitch you a drink that tastes like space.
0: Yeah. Their, so... their, next one, their next one is Coca-Cola Pixels, I think, and it's supposed oh, yeah. to taste like Pixels. Wow. Why am I
3: not rich? Like, I have a bunch of nonsense ideas. <laughs> that I could just sell to people.
0: Yeah, but that this are is like beyond big. being rich. This is like we are the god of soft drinks, so we can do pretty much whatever we want, what and we, want. we know it'll be fine. Uh, <clears throat> new Coke. Well, okay. <laughs>
1: as long as you don't
0: see, <laughs> they tried that too early. They weren't
2: quite yeah. there yet. But see, yeah. they're leaving Coke alone. They're trying Coke Starlight or Coke Pixel. Yeah, I,
3: I saw at the at the um, airport Coke with coffee in it, and I was yeah. just like, but so do you want to die <laughs> i just feel like you've already got caffeine and now you're gonna add coffee and they're in like the the cans that look like uh um what are the energy drinks uh, like yeah, the red bull that's bull or... like a yeah. red bull looking can right next to the red bull it's just the heart stop section mm-hmm. of of the drink aisle and if you drink it great maybe you have a high tolerance if you gave that to me i literally would be super up, and then I would just, I'd die. I'd just be done. You'd be like, Val was good for like a half hour. She got so much done, and then she died.
0: And then she died. (laughs) (laughs) I just blew up.
1: Uh, Nathaniel sent me a meme uh, a few weeks ago that said, I accidentally put Red Bull in my coffee maker, and now I can hear colors.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
3: believe that. I believe that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right well let's give this a letter grade like we do um we will start with you val and then we'll we'll end with you james so you so you'll be last for us as our guest
3: yeah I mean Save I already threw out that. my grade at the beginning of the the show I'm sorry I just got ahead we don't, of myself we don't want people to stick so around to
0: hear our grades let's just throw I mean, them out at the beginning
3: i'm I'm one part of this like they want to know yours um <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but I I give it an A. Like this is a movie, like James says, I can watch this. If if I'm scrolling through and I just don't know what I want to watch and it's there, like it pops up, I'm probably gonna watch it. If somebody's like, hey, you know, night's tale, are you in? No questions asked. Like, I'm gonna watch this movie a couple times a year. Um, and if somebody hasn't seen it, I'm gonna be like, What are the choices that you're making in your life that this hasn't been one of them? Stop what you're doing right now and watch this movie because it will change your life. Um, And that's, you know, I say it in jest, but it really does. Like if you really sit down and watch this film, not do uh, other things while you're watching it, because we tend to do that now while we're at home, right? We turn something on, like give it your full attention, let it wash over you, really give into it, and you're going to have a really good experience that does change your life.
0: I'm I'm also going to give it an A. Um it is like if it's on even if I'm not in the mood to watch it, I'm in the mood to watch it. So I guess like I'm always in the mood to watch this movie. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's one that I enjoy and it's one that I've seen enough times that really I could come in in the middle and I know right where I'm at and I'm I'm fine with it. And then I would probably stop and after i watch it and watch it again from the beginning because i missed all the good parts in the beginning but but like it's just one of those movies that i could watch over and over again so it's an a for me tracy um i'm sensing a trend here um yeah and so
2: the the and you like to
0: buck those so often (laughs) yeah you do
3: we think we're gonna have an all a show and then tracy comes in. he's like well
2: well Well,
0: actually (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm not going to do the well actually today, but I, do, I think it's interesting that um, when I was reading this article with the uh, interview with this director and he said, he actually gets more comments about a night's tale than he does LA confidential. And that says a lot to me, but this is, this is one that I am grateful for James for introducing me to. Um, I I had kind of discounted it when it came out because um, because of the rock music, I was like, eh, that seems weird. And I just never got around to it. And then James was like, no, you need to sit down and, and watch this film. And looking back, I mean, watching this again last night, and I'm like, Paul Bettany, Alan Tudor, Keith Ledger. I mean, the list goes on. Um, solid scripts, uh, holds up really well. I'm going to go an A. I can't
3: believe I you wouldn't watch a movie because you thought it was weird. You're I,
2: weird, Tracy. I know, but that one, for some reason, just it didn't... <laughs> I mean, it, it, just, it, it didn't with me, have.
0: It, it felt weird. It didn't have the appeal that Sharknado does. You know, right. it just like, felt like, weird, and out of place. Yeah. We got rock music. <laughs> Sharks and a tornado, and I'm no a
2: rock problem. Music guy. I'm a rock yeah, music guy. Yeah, I don't guy, get it. Yeah, for some reason, this was young me. I was young and stupid. That's yeah.
3: not a serious enough movie for me.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna watch Where's Sharknado. That?
2: I'm gonna watch Das Boot. You know, I mean. <laughs> All right, James,
0: what about you?
1: Wow, you know, just coming into this whole thing, the idea of, yeah, I'm going to get together with some friends and we're just going to you know, riff on this, this awesome movie um, did not prepare me for the fact that sitting here talking about this over the last hour, I got teary just talking about some of these scenes and not the big scenes, some of the small scenes got me tearing up a little bit. That's a rare thing. That's a rare thing to, you know, have something that I've seen 200 times still have that effect just talking about it on a podcast. So I'm going to give it the same grade as Ralphie's teacher gave the theme in his dream in a Christmas story. A plus, plus,
2: plus, plus. You know, I love. You are the second guest on this show to 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 mention Ralphie and the grading when when we had uh, <laughs> our friends from the Watchtower over, and uh, Mike gave it an A plus 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 for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, well,
0: and, I, and I went there last week with Big Fish.
2: Yeah, this is the second week right. in a row
0: that we've had Ralphie's teacher mentioned on the show. <laughs> so, just getting some good airtime on movies at Millcast.
1: We, we are all in the zone.
2: We yeah, I love five it. cents five cents spent well. Is yeah. this our first quad A, Jake? We've had I think it a. is. I oh think it yeah, is. I
3: think it is our first quad A.
0: Yep. This is beyond triple A rated. Wow. This is this is four A's. So a night's tale. A night's tale. Fit for any draft and that you might want to send it to war, whatever. It's ready to go. <laughs> four A.
3: <laughs> but somebody's gotta say the end quote of the movie on our way out here.
0: Well, usually Tracy's the one that takes care of that kind of stuff. Before we us. go, I,
2: I'm going to give the honor to James. But before we go, James, tell tell people where they can find your your books. And I mean, you're a motivational speaker. You're an illustrator. Guys, his art is incredible. His writing is just as good, and he's an even better guy. But tell us about where people can find you.
1: I'm most often on Facebook um, under my my personal account, James Artemis Owen. Um, there's a fan page and a, a group page, but James Artemis on is where I'm most active. And then the main website that's connected to everything else is jamesaowen.com.
2: And if you follow him on Facebook, when he gets a head cold and gets on some Sudafed, it is
3: like get <laughs> popcorn
2: and enjoy the ride because he posts while on Sudafed and it is delirious. It's great.
1: Uh, yeah, if <laughs> Or decongestants. People cancel their plans and make popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yep. I spent all day apologizing for all. We sorts should of- do a
3: whole show on decongestants. <laughs> Everybody, I'll last about 30 minutes and then I'm out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like we've got a couple of shows we've got to do now, Val. One where you're on the Coke coffee and then one where you're on <laughs> decongestants. I think we both have
3: to of them end up with me first. out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. We have to do the decongestants first because the Coke is going to kill her. Right. Well, yeah, we got to do it in the right order then. We don't want to. <laughs> We probably shouldn't do them on the same day.
3: We'll do it on like an anniversary show. So I can at least go out on an anniversary.
2: <laughs> you know, not right. everybody
0: gets to choose their ending. So when you get that chance. Oh, you take-
3: I see what you did there. <laughs> see what you did. Well, thank you, you
0: everyone for listening. Thank you, James, for being here. We oh, really appreciate having there. you on the show. Um, and if you want to send us any feedback, you can send that to podcast at movies that make us.com. You can also comment on any of our posts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear from you and have and hear your thoughts. Go ahead, and Tracy.
2: TikTok. TikTok. Jake is our well, new TikTok guy.
0: I don't know that I want to promote our TikTok yet. It's really rough. But
2: How are we'll we getting there? To it? I got to get on there.
0: So, all right. Thank you, everybody. And uh, until next time, we won't see you at the movies. This is the quote part. Wants to end
1: with the quote? I'm going to quote it, and I'm going to modify it slightly since I'm speaking to the three of you. You have been weighed. You have been measured. You have absolutely been found worthy. Welcome <laughs> to the new world. <laughs> this has been a Stolen Droids media production.